good evening. Again, we are thankful for your presence this afternoon and your willingness to return and be back with the congregation here tonight as we worship once again on this Lord's Day. You're to be commended for returning and being back tonight and showing your faithfulness and your love and your respect, I guess you could say, for our God. And we're thankful for your, your presence. In the last few weeks, we've been looking at the character of God. We've looked that He is holy. And His holiness, we've looked that He needs to be reverenced. And there needs to be reverence shown to him. We have looked at him being omniscient, meaning that he knows all things. And we studied that last week. And I told you that this week, Lord's willing, that we would look at the omnipotent part of God's character. And as read just a moment ago in Colossians 1, verses 14 through 17, or 15 through 17 rather, as you hear those words, I want you to think about omnipotent means that God is all-powerful. That means just what it says, that simple. God has all power. And when we say all-powerful, what we mean is is that where there is power to be had, God has it to its fullest extent. Now think about that. God has all power. And when we say all-powerful God, we mean that where there is power to be had, God has it to its fullest extent. Verse 15 of Colossians 1 says again, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, or all creation? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. I guess we could probably just stop right there tonight and close it out and pretty much self-explanatory. God has all power. In anything that you can think of, in the universe, In our lives, 
in the weather. God has all power. Many passages throughout the scripture allude to his infinite power. And I'm going to mention just a few as we move through this lesson. There's a multitude of verses that address his power. Genesis 17 and 1 in the book of Revelation 21 and 22 address it this way. The Lord God Almighty. Think about that. Just the words as they come off our lips. The Lord God Almighty, mightier than all, powerful, more powerful than anything or anyone. And you flip over to the book of Deuteronomy 3, chapter 3 and verse 24. And it says to us, the Bible reads, O Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand for what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do anything like your works and your mighty deeds. Trust in the Lord forever. For in God, the Lord is everlasting strength. Isaiah 26 and 4. Jeremiah writes in 32, in chapter 32 and 27, Behold, he says, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Our God is in heaven. And he does whatever he pleases. Psalms 115 and verse 3. <clears throat> and back to our scripture reading tonight in Colossians 1 in verse 17. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. With all things God is possible. Matthew 19 and verse 26. Revelation 19 and verse 6, John writes, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. God is all powerful. <clears throat> God is not just only holy and deserves to be reverenced. He's not just that he knows all things or he's everywhere. God is all powerful. His powerful, his power rather, is seen in many, many things. You go to the book of Romans in chapter 1 in verse 20. <clears throat> and it says, the Bible reads to us, actually I have a note right here, and I've mentioned this many times, 
Verse 20 it could, can be and have always been used as a rebuttal against evolution. How things are just evolved. Notice with me as we read it together. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead or divinity, so that they are without excuse. Now notice how he describes in verse 21 the people of this time. But because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, notice, God gave them over or gave them up to uncleanness, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more or rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You see, it starts out saying about the power of God. And how these people in Rome had changed that. Had corrupted themselves to not acknowledge God as the all power for God. And to take and serve the creature rather than the creator. His power is seen in creation. Hebrews 1 and verse 3 says that his He upholds all things by the word of his power. Notice we go back to the book of Genesis. And we see that God what? Spoke everything into existence, didn't he? The word, by the power of his word. The words of God. The spoken words of God. If you go into 2 Peter chapter 3 and verses 5 through 7, we see also describes how he, by his word, preserves the heavens and earth that now exists. 2 Peter 3 and 5 through 7. The Bible says, For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God. The heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store or reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition or destruction of ungodly men. His word preserves the heavens and the earth that now exists. Logically consider this for a moment. Consider the power of a single star 
such as our sun. But yet there are billions of stars in the vastness of this physical universe. God created all of that. Yes, God created all of that. Think of the power of just one single atom. Yet God created that and controls it. His omnipotence is seen in in, in other attributes that we've examined. To be all-powerful, God must be eternal, omnipresent, omniscient. And if God were not eternal, then there would be a time when he did not have power. Now think about that. If God was not eternal, there would be a time that he did not have all power. And if he did not know all things and is not everywhere, then his power is limited. But he is all these things. You see, when you break down the character and the makeup of God in the way that we're breaking it down, it should be easy to comprehend. Now the world, they mess it up, don't they? These scientists and these science teachers and all these people, they just they get it all messed up. Uh, we're dealing with it uh, a little bit right now in our own county right here at the high school. And we're pretty sure one of them is an atheist. We're not sure, but it's, uh, it's prevalent right here. We've got men and women who are not teaching that God exists. But you know what? If we've done our job with studies like we have tonight, our children can be the one who says, what about Genesis 1 and 1? What about when God created this or created that? But it is relevant, and people in the world are teaching otherwise. His power is seen in his influence in nations. As we study the Bible, we see that God's influence in the outcome of nations. God has been able, he was able to foretell years in advance what would happen to various nations and how they would fall. Through the prophecies, the power that we've seen in prophecies and that we read about and we continue to read about, even in our Sunday morning study that we just finished up, we see that just as they were there, that it demonstrates his his eternal knowledge And it shows that he is in control and can move forces at his will to accomplish his will. Now again, we have these studies and we throw these things out. Number one, to where we all are strengthened and encouraged to know who God is and what he is, but to teach our young, to establish our young. 
We need to reinforce these things at home with our children and our grandchildren. Make sure that you teach and you echo these things to your children and your grandchildren. You want to know why we have so many leaving the Lord's church? I think it's because we haven't echoed these things. I think, number one, that our children, a lot of our children have not, not every case, but a lot of our children have not seen us, and I mean us, we as parents give God all the credit that he is the one is why we have the things we have or why things go the way they go and that he is all-powerful. God is in control. And we need to echo those things to our young people. His power is seen in miracles that we read about all through the New Testament. How he has performed and gifted men to perform when needed. And you know, miracles are the setting aside of natural laws. They defy natural law. Something only the true creator can do. And they demonstrated that he is God. When you go and read about the paralytic man in Mark chapter 2 and verses 1 through 12, how they opened up the ceiling and they let the man down through the roof. And the scribes and the people who were gathered began to reason among themselves and Jesus picked up on it and he says, why do you do that? They wanted to know how can he can forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. And our Lord in that discourse tells them, he says, what is it easier to do? Forgive man's sins or tell him to get up and walk? You know the story. But in the healing of that paralytic man, as Jesus forgave his sins, imply this. John chapter 3 and verse 2 where Nicodemus acknowledges Jesus to, to be whom he claimed to be because of his wonders and miracles and signs. You're the master teacher, Nicodemus says. He recognized it. His power is seen in the conversion of sinners through his word. You go back to the book of Romans. <clears throat> You're very familiar with this passage. But Romans chapter 1 in verses 16 and 17. His power is seen in that conversion of, of sinners where Paul writes, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God, what? Unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live in faith or by faith. His word still changes people. His word still changes events in the world and his word still changes people's lives even today. Think about just for a moment how the word of God, God doesn't speak to us, to man directly, only but through his word, right? Exactly, right. 
through God's word. You're not going to hear some tiny voice in your head as some claim. But he speaks to you through his word, the Bible. And I can promise you that his word changes lives. It has, it will, and it will continue as long as time stands. His power is seen in the fulfillment of his purposes. You see, God has to be in control to achieve this. Romans 8 and 28, he's still in control. He is still in control in our lives and will be. You know, that's one of my favorite passages. My father-in-law, Brother O'Neill, that was one of his. I can remember years ago, Amanda and I bought uh, a sign that had that scripture on it. (coughs) For a long time, I didn't think he liked it. He never hung it up. And I was like, well, why didn't you hang it up? Didn't you like my present that I got you? And then it dawned on me one day. It was sitting about 10 feet from his recliner on the hearth of the fireplace in direct eyesight where he could read it every day. And he told me before he died, he said, that's one of my favorite passages. He said, I want that used at my funeral. I said, yes, sir. You know it well. Where it says, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God. To them who are, are the called according to his purpose. You see, his power is in the fulfillment. He's in control. When you go back to the book of Ephesians in chapter 3 verse 11, it speaks of his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Not only is his power seen in those things, but one last thing. His power is seen in his inheritance. He has prepared for us. Turn with me back to 1 Peter Chapter 1, in verses 4 and 5. Notice with me what this says to us. And think about these words. His power is seen in his inheritance that he has prepared for us. Notice what Peter writes. And the Bible says, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept or guarded by the power of who? God. Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. His power is seen in the inheritance that he has prepared for us. 
The power of God is unlimited. Of course, you know, some things are, are there, you know, we ask the question, are there things that God cannot do? At first thought, you might say, no, there's nothing God can't do. But think about it. God can do all things logically possible to do, and his power is so great that in physical realm he created, and in the spiritual realm is limitless. But you know what? God cannot lie, can he? Think about that. His very nature demonstrates things he cannot do. He cannot die because he's eternal. Without beginning, he's the Alpha and he's the Omega. You know, a lot of mere nonsense is presented by people of the world today. Can God create a rock so big that he cannot lift it? There's all types of gainsayers out there. Just go read it. <laughs> you know, we could go way in depth with that just in another sermon in itself. But in Scripture we read there are only certain things he cannot do. He will not subvert his purpose or will. He cannot lie. He cannot tempt anyone to sin or be tempted, James 1. And because of this great power, as we close this lesson, we can have faith. We can have faith in passages such as 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, casting all your cares upon him, all your anxiety on him, we know he's in control of this world. No matter what man does, he cannot defeat God or his will. Hebrews 13 and verse 6 says to us, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. You see, that's where we need to stand. When we talk about the power of God, we can have faith. We can put our trust in Him that He can answer all of our prayers, 1 John 5. And we know for sure that He can raise us up, that we have hope in this life and the life hereafter. And we need to respect Him and His power. So we see the characteristics of God. You see, folks, we're not just dealing with, as people say sometimes, the man upstairs. We are dealing with the almighty God that is in control. Our creator, our judge, the Lord Most High. And He deserves our reverence with godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29.
Don't treat him or his word or his power lightly. Do not trivialize his name. And I ask you the question tonight, what does God mean to you? You know, think about that. I can tell you, the group that's here tonight, God means a lot to you. In our Sunday morning services, I can handpick every one of you that's going to be back tonight. I can handpick you. I could point you out. And I could say, they'll be back, 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 they'll be back. You know why? Because you're faithful. You're to be, you're to be blessed for that. You're to be uh, commended for that. Because you know God. And you want to know God. You may be here tonight and you need to know God. You need to become a Christian and be baptized for the remission of your sins and be added to the body of Christ to live faithfully. But maybe tonight you're here and you need to repent because maybe you haven't gave God the respect that he does need. In your actions, your words, whatever the case may be, we encourage you tonight Think about where you are with God. If the world should come to an end tonight, where will you live eternally? That's the question. Tonight, whatever your need may be, please come. Let's get up and stand as we sing.